1: Welcome to MMA Fighting's 2023 year-end awards. And now, your host, Mike Heck.
2: Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the MMA Fighting year-end awards show for 2023. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us once again. I hope you are all having a wonderful holiday season and a fantastic end to the year, which in our world of mixed martial arts was one of the most chaotic and unpredictable years in the history of the sport. We had multiple champion versus champion fights. We had massive underdogs cashing in, sensational finishes, some pretty terrible trash talk, but also moments where fighters just straight came out of nowhere at the beginning of the year, only to end the year at the top of the mountain and today we celebrate the best mma had to offer in 2023 as we give our awards for fighter of the year fight of the year rookie of the year and of course the always popular awards the submission of the year and knockout of the year and speaking of knockout of the year that's where we're going to begin ladies and gentlemen let's kick this off with some of the most vicious ko's of 2023 but who according to the MMA Fighting voting panel, had the best of the best. Here are the nominees for the 2023 knockout of the year. Robbie Lawler by left hook in his final fight against Nico Price at UFC 290. Patchy Mix by step in knee over Raphael Stotts at Bellator 295. Israel Adesanya by counter right hand against Alex Pereira to regain the middleweight title at UFC 287. Josh Emmett, by overhand right against Bryce Mitchell at UFC 296. Justin Gaethje, by head kick over Dustin Poirier to win the BMF title at UFC 291. And MMA Fighting's 2023 Knockout of the Year winner is... Israel Adesanya knocking out Alex Pereira, exacting some revenge against a longtime rival in the process to regain the UFC middleweight title and close the show at a very fun UFC 287 event in Miami back in April. Now, MMAfighting.com, not only is it a great website, but we are open books, my friends. We don't just come to these decisions willy nilly. A lot of thought goes into this. So let us introduce, for the first time on this year's award show, Deputy Editor of MMAFighting.com, Shaheen Al-Shadi, and our tremendous panel to discuss how we came to this decision. Shaheen, take it away, my friend.
3: Thanks, Mike. Let's kick off the panel for your 2023 MMA Fighting Year-End Awards special. And I love the panel we got this year. We got the whole gang. The Road Warrior, Jose Youngs for the on site perspective, the social media maven, Eric Jackman for the social perspective, and of course, the most fearsome producer in the business, E.K.C. man manning the boards, who's really probably been on more post fight shows than anyone this year. I am Sean O'Shaughnessy. Fellas, knockout of the year. Let's talk about it. Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. That ends up taking our top spot. Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell gets the second place. Robbie Lawler versus Nico Price. Patchy Mix and Justin Gaethje also round out the category. And this one really, I mean, you look at the first place votes. You can see it right there on the graphic. Seven first place votes for Israel Adesanya's revenge against Alex Pereira. And three of us here on this panel, me, Casey, and Eric, all of us ended up taking that for our first place spot as well. And Jose breaking away from the group. Taking Justin Gaethje with his first place vote. Josh Emmett also stealing a couple. And Robbie Lawler getting one as well. Eric, I want to start with you. Israel Adesanya was the runaway winner here. You voted for it. Why was this the runaway winner? Why was this the, the clear first place in your mind?
4: Yeah, there's different ways to kind of think about these knockouts. When you think about the the technicality, the style points of a knockout. There's probably a knockout on here that's better than this one. When you think about the stakes of a knockout, this one's pretty high, but there's probably one that can be competitive with it. But when you combine those two things between the style points and between the stakes involved, this one was a clear winner for me. Um, You have Israel Adesanya in an exchange very similar to their first MMA fight, uh, being able to get it done in beautiful fashion. And then you've got the idea that this is potentially Izzy going down across kickboxing and mma really deep into the bag against alex uh, Pereira, and you get the celebration afterwards for me it was it was a no-brainer that this had to be the knockout of the year when you're combining all the different elements and on its own it was an incredible knockout by itself but when you when you include the stakes this felt like it had to be it
3: yeah i have to i have to just echo what you're saying right because these categories are always so So individualized, right? Because there are so many different ways you can parse through it, so many different ways you categorize it, so wade through it was what you prioritize. It's like you said, the stakes, the aesthetics of it, just sort of everything that surrounds it, even the storyline beforehand. And to me, you look at this past year, there was nothing. That, e- that eclipsed this in terms of knockouts for what Israel Adesanya was able to do. This storyline has dominated our lives between Izzy and Alex in a way that like few others have over the last couple of years. And this is a storyline that we, I don't need to explain it, right? Like it goes back almost a decade at this point with the, the animus between these two guys and how heated it got. And the fact that like Alex Pereira's just existence in MMA on itself is basically because of Israel Adesanya. Like all everything that went into this this felt like such a make-or-break moment for Izzy's legacy. This felt so important for the sport itself. It was such a spectacle, just the lead-up to this and everything that went up behind it. And then the way it plays out, too, in that moment, that if you can remember back to that moment, I, at this point, I don't even remember what it was, what actual event it was. Uh, UFC 287, it was back in April. If you can remember back to April, the tension that we all felt in those first two rounds, and in particular, that second round where it feels like it's happening again of like, oh my God, Alex is about to do this to Izzy again. And then it turns on a dime and then the knockout itself, the reaction from Izzy, the celebration, just everything, what this all meant, still gives me chills, man. I mean, I we, we still know like obviously what happened from there, Izzy's downfall against Sean Strickland and just the fact that this might be the last good highlight from Izzy we ever see in MMA, who knows when he'll come back. But goddamn, man, the Izzy Alex story to me is one of the greatest stories in combat sports of my of my lifetime. And if this is the way it ends, it feels like a very proper conclusion to me. And just all of it—the aesthetics, the stakes, everything that went into this—to me, there was nothing better than this in 2023. I am interested, though, Jose, you went a different direction Mm -hmm. with this, and you went a direction Mm -hmm. that really nobody else on the team went. I mean, we have 11 people on this panel, and you were the only one going for Justin Gaethje. So what was it you saw? Mm -hmm. Why was that your number one? Well,
5: I'll start with saying, like, of all, since I've joined MMA Fighting, uh, this seems to be the year where I... I don't disagree with any of of these top five. I'll even throw top six. Like if Islam Mahachev's knockout over Alex Volkanovsky, if that got the number one spot, I wouldn't have argued against that either. So uh, I just, if you look at the top five outside of the patching mix, roughly on stats, I was at four of them. I was cage side for four of them. I was about, eight feet away from alex uh Pereira getting knocked out by israel adesanya and i was about eight feet away from justin gagey head kicking dustin poirier and i just remember sitting there next to our colleague oscar willis and seeing israel adesanya back up against the fence and him kind of baiting him, and i remember saying israel's about to knock this guy out just by baiting him in and punching him in the skull and that's exactly what what happened now if we're talking about the reaction of the crowd in attendance I can't remember a knockout in my life outside of uh, Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva, uh, and Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, that generated this amount of noise, this amount of chaos. Because if you remember that audience, there was all celebrities there. There were NFL players. There were musicians. There were politicians sitting cage side. And they were all going berserk. I chose Dustin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier solely because when I was watching, that caught me off guard because I even asked Dustin after the fight, I go, Justin Gagey does not throw head kicks almost ever. And Dustin Poirier even laughed at it. He goes, no, he doesn't. So it was unexpected. Dustin, I know he got knocked out by Michael Johnson, and I know... Connor TKO'd him at featherweight but since then Dustin Poirier has been in these wars and he's known for just his sheer durability and his ability to fight through pain and pull off these unbelievable performances and yes Justin Gaethje also hits hard but he's also in all of these wars and just the fact seeing a seeing Justin Gaethje throw a head kick seeing Dustin Poirier his eyes roll in the back of his head just out cold not TKO'd out cold from a Justin Gaethje head kick for the BMF title, to me, was a more shocking image. It wasn't nearly as violent as Israel Adesanya's outspare, but it just, I did not, this was not on my bingo card of how that should have, that fight could have possibly ended and the crowd didn't even wasn't expecting it either because it just kind of caught everyone off guard too there was no this visceral reaction that could be because it was in salt lake city and miami and salt lake city are just vastly different cities but the crowd just seemed to like what what did we just witness so that is why i put that as number one uh i had israel and alex number three but i'm not complaining that it won it was an unbelievable knockout
3: no, I mean, I think that's perfectly valid, and also you got to think that that Justin Gaethje knockout crowned one of the best cards of the year, right? Like the momentum right. is definitely a play a factor right. in that as well. And at the momentum that night, like that was off the chain before that, so it reached that that sort of crescendo. I will say too, what a damn good year 2023 yeah. has been for knockouts. You look at the aesthetics yeah. part of this, right? The fan edits, the photos from a lot of these finishes, in particular the Izzy one out of control with some of the Mm -hmm. stuff that the fan base has been able to produce and again the photographers and cinematographers within this industry has been able to produce from from these knockouts we didn't even mention uh, Josh Emmett basically murdering Bryce Mitchell on the last card Mm -hmm. of the year which was maybe the scariest knockout that I have ever seen or at least in a long time and of course Robbie Lawler having the greatest retirement in UFC history if not MMA history awesome year awesome awesome year I think we got the right pick though Back to you, Mike.
2: And that leads us to our next category, ladies and gentlemen. We already gave out the award for Knockout of the Year. Now we head to Submission of the Year, and there were a lot of great options to choose from. So here are the nominees for MMA Fighting's 2023 Submission of the Year. Alexa Grasso by Rear Naked Choke over Valentina Shevchenko at UFC 285 to win the women's flyweight title. Davey Grant, by inverted triangle choke over Rafael Sunsau at UFC Las Vegas. John Jones, by guillotine choke over Cyril Gan at UFC 285 to win the heavyweight title. Louis Glissman, by inverted omoplata over Melvin Van Sidum at Octagon 43. Shafkat Rachmanoff, by standing rear naked choke over Jeff Neal at UFC 285. All right, and I just realized there are three submissions on this list from UFC 285 in March. It's pretty crazy because that was a pretty crazy event for sure. But the winner of the MMA Fighting 2023 Submission of the Year is from UFC 285, Alexa Grasso for her fourth round submission win to pull off the massive upset against Valentina Shevchenko to win the UFC Women's Flyweight Championship. They, of course, ran it back in a classic in the main event of Noche UFC in September, fought to a draw, and maybe we'll get ourselves a trilogy fight in 2024, but Grasso wins the title at UFC 285, and now she has another title, submission of the year. How did this happen, Shaheen Alshadi and crew? Take it away.
3: Thanks, Mike. And yeah, what a year it was for the submissions in MMA. But my God, I do not know if I can ever remember something quite like this. You can see the graphic up now. 11 first place votes out of 11 for our winner, Alexa Grasso. This is at least in my mind, the first time I can remember our big panel being unanimously uh decided on on a winner like this unanimously coming to the same conclusion all with outside of each other we do not speak to each other about these ballots we file them in they're all secret ballots and yet we all came to the same conclusion i i don't know the last time i remember that happening in mma fighting history with any category and it's funny because usually submission is all over the place usually submission is one of the harder categories for everyone to sort of choose where, where there's a lot of like two people over here, three people over there, but now this year it was all Alexa Grasso. Every single person on this four-person panel picked her, and every person on the team picked her. Jose, why was this so easy for us? Because it's
5: it's similar to it's not. It is not the most thrilling submission. Like, we've seen Twisters win this award. We've seen whatever AJ McKee, whatever he calls that from like 2021 uh, when he won our submission in the year. So, this is by no means technically the most thrilling knockout, or I mean, th- thrilling submission we've ever seen. But just the fact that Alexa Grasso, who, uh, if you remember when she submitted Valentina, a lot of the narrative was, Oh, if Valentina gets through Alexa Grasso, like, will she face Aaron Blanchfield? Will she face this person? Will she face Manon Faro? Will Tatiana Suarez move up? So that was the conversation. It just seems like people had written her off right away. And then when Alexa Grasso goes out there and not only submits Valentina Shevchenko, who was the most dominant, uh, her and Amanda Nunez at the time, were the most dominant women's champions. But puts on... that was If you watch that fight, that was an incredibly competitive fight against those two. And then Alexa Grasso times a spin... I can't remember if it was a spinning back elbow, a spinning kick or whatever, but Valentina threw some spinning stuff and Alexa Grasso jumped on her back and choked and grabbed her neck to the point and squeezed to the point where when she let go, you could see the imprint of her arm and the top of Valentina's head was bright red from the blood just being forced into her cranium. So... It was, like I said, by no means the most technically unbelievable submission we've seen, but similar to what you said with Alex knocking out Israel Asana, just like the story was there, the setup was there, the crowd was there at UFC 285 because, again, that was an unbelievable fight to, fight card as well. I think it just checked all the boxes for a submission we're going to be talking about for a long time because for all the twisters, all the flying whatevers we've seen, they're unbelievable at the time, but they rarely come when the stakes are at its highest, when you're fighting the best of the best. And this is what happened. Alexa Grasso cemented herself as one of the best f- fighters on the planet. Pound for pound number one as we film this. And it's going to be a submission that's going to go down throughout. Like it's get, We're going to ta- be talking about this forever, similar to the Anderson Silva-Chris Weidman knockouts, the Verdun-Fadorn submission. Not the most thrilling, but one of the most exciting.
3: Yeah, I mean, she's pound-for-pound she's pound number two, so I'll correct you there. But it, it, she started the year unranked on the pound-for-pound pound list, and that, right. to me, speaks about what was so crazy about this. Because, I mean, I can remember, I'm sure all of you can, when this fight was booked... Less oh, than zero people were giving Alexa Grasso a chance. No one in the world was giving Alexa Grasso a chance. This was considered a walkover. As you said, Jose, this was just a placeholder until Valentina does the next thing. Maybe she goes to bantamweight, whatever. Like This was all assumed that it was going to be the easiest fight in the world for her. And like you said, it was close from the beginning. That round one happens, and all of a sudden, all of us are just like, wait, is this is this about to be something? And if Sean Strickland didn't exist, like this would have been probably the upset of the year, too. And it, like you said, all of it—the the, the narrative, the storyline—but then the aesthetics, the actual submission itself, and the image that comes from it of that two toned, like just color on on Valentina Shevchenko's face—it looked like the world's worst sunburn that she had just suffered. And Alexa Grasso like nearly ripped her her jaw off. Like th- th- this wasn't even a rear naked choke as much as a net crank of all
6: things to end. Yeah, I was going to ask such I think a dominant raid. <laughs> That's, like well, that's the thing. Like, what do you even call this, Casey? What What is this actually? I I th- I think it was actually a neck crank. Um, that's like the jujitsu joke, you know. It was like, oh, it wasn't a choke. It was a crank, you know. <laughs> but it doesn't matter as long as you tap. But um, I I'm i am very satisfied with our 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 voting staff to pick this one because i feel a lot of times people go for flashy submissions but like i am a big fan of just technically perfect submissions this isn't a rare submission at all by far but outside the storyline she just she just she game planned it she saw opportunity she took the back took her down got her got her hooks in got her arms around her neck and just put her and put her forearm this this kind of this part of your forearm just right across that jaw. And um, she made Valentina quit. Otherwise her jaw gets broken and um just uh, so good. So legendary submission, legendary submission. And I think we can, I don't know. It's actually more legendary. The submission itself or watching Jed Mishu's reaction
5: on the watch party. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say that the, the image of the, like, there are a few things that unite the mixed martial arts community than watching Jed have a meltdown, and I think <laughs> us collectively as a whole of a fan base just kind of took delight in that. So yeah, props to Lexa Grasso for pulling that off as well.
4: <laughs> yeah, you, ask you guys, through, Eric, you, yeah, you just you guys nailed everything. Go ahead, go ahead, she. I
3: just I just want to ask Eric, like you, you're such a you're so tapped into the social media side of this that when mm. you see an image like that two tone Valentina Shevchenko head of white or I'm sorry, red, and then just pure white. What goes through your mind when you see that? That's just gold, right? Like that's so instantly just visceral in a way that few things have been this year.
4: Yeah, it's social gold and and it speaks to kind of what we've kind of danced around but haven't quite put the nail on, which is that this was a shock, right? If you're if you're thinking about going into this fight, if somebody's going to get a submission, it's Valentina Shevchenko, right? It's it's almost like the Shaq meme that I wasn't familiar with your game. Nobody had Alexa Grasso winning and nobody <laughs> had Alexa Grasso winning this way and that's what made it so potent, right? In a, in a vacuum, if this happened in the second fight I don't think the world is kind of tilting on its axis, but because of the shock level, because of the idea that this outcome was so unforeseen, it absolutely exploded. She deserved everything, and it gives her team and her uh, a lot more credibility and accolades when it comes to the grappling, and and creates this whole new kind of way to view her. Um, it, it's one of the most uh, incredible moments, uh, one I'll definitely remember, and I think kind of like defines her legacy. Like from here on out there's something that she has that very few people are gonna be able to say they have um, a very special moment like this. So uh, just an incredible moment. I, I am very happy to see that it was unanimous, but it makes a lot of sense that it would have been.
6: You know, one yeah. thing I think that we like, I, we, I think that we all are, are talking about this mission is like, we all had this kind of collective experience watching it because it wasn't just like, it didn't just happen out of nowhere. Like you kind of saw it coming. In a sense, like the, you know, to take down, the choke. So there was a good like 10, 15 seconds. You're like, no way, no way. And it was near the end of the round, I think too, right? Wasn't it near the end of the round? It was, uh, yeah, I believe yeah, it was yeah. late. So like, you're kind of like, oh no, okay. She's gonna, she got the choke in, but she's going to survive the round. And you're like, no, she's not, no, she's not, no. So like, we all had that same experience. So I think that adds just to the, just the, um, historic nature of this submission. Just the Cham-
5: championship league. round, championship rounds too. And
6: championship rounds too, just, yeah. Yeah, the, actually and the also, more I'm talking about I am like, wow, I'm just like, kind of reliving it in my head, it's really fun, <laughs> yeah. And
3: that's the thing is, so you would think that a Reign like Valentina's, someone who is so preternaturally tough, just like above all else, talented, whatever, but like tough, you ended this with a neck crank. Like this is a pain choke and you got Palantina Chevchenko to get to the point of like, that's too much. I tap okay. out. Unbelievable. Uh, one I, last note on this category that I want to throw out there just because submission of the year is always really fun to me because it is really the one category among all of them that we can sort of throw weird stuff into. Little little nuggets from regional scene and just dumb stuff because a cool submission is a cool submission regardless of where it happens. What else stood out for you guys this year from the submission of the year runnings? Because I'll just say for me, Going back and rewatching, I had forgotten how ridiculously brutal what Shavkat Rachmanov did to Jeff Neal was. That was obscene on like a lot literally, of levels. Literally the fight before Alexa Grosso Valentina, too.
5: <laughs>
6: oh, wow. Crazy. Really? Literally the fight before. I didn't know that. Literally. I forgot that. Back to back. Wow. That's wow. But yeah. that,
3: that standing choke, that standing bulldog was just absurd. And you go back and rewatch that fight, like it is brutal
6: what that man did to Jeff Neal. What else stood out to you guys? I I love the, uh, uh, sorry, what was her name? Uh, Krina, uh, I forgot her name. Uh, Silva. Yeah, Karina Silva. Yeah, Karina Silva and her kind of knee bar ankle lock. Brutal. Uh, remember that? And like, in, I th- I th- that bi- the video, I mean, the submission is so much worse because of the video and the slow mo, and you just see her opponent's knee just goes bloop. And you say, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like, so uh, uh, great, great violent submission of Karina Silva.
5: I was surprised at how many people were impressed with John Jones submitting high-level jiu-jitsu black belt Cyril Gond.
6: <laughs> Has just, John ever been submitted I was, before?
5: <laughs> I guess so, but I don't know. I was I wasn't overly impressed by the performance. I was impressed at how quick Ooh. it was, I guess. But like, uh, I don't know. I, I think thought there matters. were five
6: more. Yeah, that. Yeah,
5: yeah, I'm not saying it was a bad submission. I just thought there were five more impressive submissions than
4: the John Jones submitting Cyril Gunn. I think it's fair because in I, I think that one I think that's one that ages worse, right? As it continues mm-hmm. to go on, we kind of think less and less of of Cyril Gon's grappling and think, yeah, that's what John Jones was going to do. But when you think back on the uncertainty of John Jones has been out this long, John Jones is moving up to heavyweight. How's he going to look? And then he just goes in there and blows the doors off him. It it felt like a moment. It felt like a moment, and how quick he was able to kind of get it done. Because we've seen I Cyril know. like. You know, Francis Ngannou was on him exactly. for, but
6: but the di- but the difference in that fight, we no we know Shirogan wasn't expecting that kind of game plan from Ngannou, so that kind of shocked all of us, including Surreal. We knew what John Jones was going to bring in this fight, you know, in the sense of you know good good grappling good wrestling. So you would think Surreal would been ready for that, and I think that's why I put it. I think I put it number two. Yeah. I put I had my second uh, number two submission because yeah. of the high stakes. Because Gon was prepared for this. And even knowing it's coming, John still did it with ease. Well, it was so the culmination of a journey. It
3: yeah. was the culmination of a journey. It wasn't right? the like,
6: submission this itself, a submission thir- itself, it was kind of the whole package for that senior. It,
4: it was a 13 year journey to heavyweight for this man. There's also and something yeah. very impressive. Like, there's an idea of like when it comes to submissions getting caught, right? Like, there's a scramble, there's an exchange, there's a moment, and get it. John Jones didn't catch Cyril Gunn. He imposed his will. He did what he wanted to
6: do
4: (laughs) from start to finish. That's a very impressive kind of thing to do uh, in, in my estimation. But ultimately, it all comes back to Alexa
3: Grasso. Our first, I think, unanimous winner ever for this website. First in a long time, certainly. She deserves it. Back to you, Mike.
2: Thanks, everybody. Excellent breakdown as always. And we'll hear from them throughout the show following each of these awards. Let's go to the fresh faces for the sport in 2023. The fighters who burst onto the scene, on the big stage, who debuted in a major promotion this year and did so in a big way. Here are the nominees for the MMA Fighting 2023 Rookie of the Year Award. Cedric Dumbay, Bo Nickel, Jesus Pinedo, Ikram Alaskarov. Diego Lopez. Just seeing that list. It's official. The future is incredibly bright in this sport. And all of these fighters could have a big, big year in 2024. But MMA Fighting's 2023 Rookie of the Year is... The man who would probably win the award for best hair of 2023 as well. Diego Lopez, congratulations to him. What a year he had. And he just has tremendous momentum heading into 2024. With that said, let us go back to the panel to discuss how Diego Lopez ended up in the spot. Shaheen al take it away.
3: Thank you, Mike. And yes, Rookie of the Year, another category this year that was just incredibly diverse on all of our ballots. This was actually the closest margin of victory for any of our major five categories. You can see it right here. Lopez beats Bo Nickel by three points to take that top spot. And those first place votes were all over the place. Four people uh, voting for Diego Lopez, number one. Four people for Bo Nickel. One for Cedric Dumbay and one for Ikram Alexander. I'm sorry, Alex Garoff. Jose, I'll start with you because you were among the Diego Lopez hive. How did mm-hmm. you approach this one?
5: Um, I approached it both. Like I I actually struggled with this for a while in my top two picks. I had uh, Cedric Bay number two, I believe, which I think if I had been one of the people that voted Bo Nickel number uh, number two, obviously it, it would have changed a lot of scoring. But Diego Lo- Lopez came in on short notice against Movzar Ev- Evloev and not only was competitive, but almost damn near beat a top 10, maybe top seven featherweight right out of the gate uh, to the point where he was one of those guys that he he lost and more people were talking about him and were more excited to see his next fight than Movzar's fight. And he's the one that has a, high, has a more realistic chance of fighting for the title relatively soon, especially if he beats Arnold Allen. And then when he came back and won again and then he won again, Uh, in in Madison Square Garden and Dana White goes up on the press conference and say what you want about Dana White. But when Dana White goes up on the press conference and we've said a million times placement of your fight matters and Dana White rarely watches prelims and this and that. But when he goes up there and says, I think we have a legitimate superstar in our hands with Diego Lopez who fought on the prelims, then – then you know when you can make Dana White watch early fights on a pay-per-view you must be doing something right and I've since seen him around a lot like he's cornered a lot of fighters he cornered Alexa Grasso who won our submission of the year I've seen him at uh the Noche uh on the Noche UFC fight on uh with just mingling with fans and there are lines just to meet this man like he just checks he has got the unique haircut he's one of the nicest people in the world he can speak three languages he has an incredible high action fight style so again i actually uh, similar to the knockout i don't think we could have been wrong with anyone in our top five but just the fact that Diego lopez went from if there was like a story of the year like a emergence or breakthrough if this is breakthrough fight of the year i think it would have been more um The terminology would have fit how I voted more rather than rookie because he's not a rookie. He's had a ton (laughs) of fights outside of the UFC. And we've had these conversations amongst our staff. But I vote for Rookie of the Year based on Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. And I think no one broke through more than Diego Lopez in 2023.
3: Yeah, this really is a multi prong type of vote too, right? Because especially with him, there's the in-cage stuff, which was tremendous there's the haircut which is just delightful it's it's really a signature it's a signature piece to him right like you it's all part and parcel it's something memorable but then also there's the outside of the cage stuff there's the coaching aspect where like this guy's out here coaching several people to title wins in the ufc eric i want to go to you cuz you went a different direction in this and i it's not the first time i remember you had patty pimblet in 2021 when he'd only fought once in the ufc and he was your number 1 as well and now you've done it again with Cedric Dumbay, who was 1-0 in a major organization. Is it the social media footprint? Is this another Patty situation? Why was Cedric the answer
4: for you this year? Social media isn't a factor in it, but I'll start with a quiz, right? How many Instagram followers do you think Diego Lopez has? Uh, I can say from first-hand experience that
5: Instagram's not really a thing in Mexico, so probably not that much.
4: 120. He's got 100... 100- Oh, uh, close, 144. How many Instagram followers do you think Bo Nickel has? Oh, Penn State wrestler million. probably way, oh half yeah way more half a million. 552k. Ooh, I'm good yeah. at
6: this.
4: <laughs> How many Instagram followers do you think Cedric Dume has? Two point three wow. million. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess. Wild. We're in, We're in. Yeah. No, you're Over going too wild. One point. He's got. He's got 900k. He's got 906k. Okay. Okay. All right. For me, this award is and will always be about impact, right? You can talk about the wins and losses. That's fine. I'm, I'm c- completely uh, happy with anybody who makes that argument. It's completely justified. If you're going to look and look at the resume and say, this person had three wins and this person had one, I won't begrudge you. But for me, the one who had Kylian Mbappe sitting at his fight, the one who set the internet on fire yeah, yeah. is Cedric Dumbay the biggest impact the one that when we look back on his rookie year that's the one we're going to remember we're not going to remember the two wins over some guy in the apex you you can't argue that this is this is the one that got the most attention that had the most eyeballs so much so that PFL did everything they could to make sure that nobody in the United States of America could watch this. And we all (laughs) still know about it. And we all still remember exactly what happened in that fight because he knocked the guy out so quickly that we all saw it within five seconds on Twitter, X, Instagram, wherever you are. So for me, as you mentioned, I voted for Patty Pimblett in the past. For me, this is an impact award. This is when you come onto the stage who re- makes the lasting impact that you remember? And for me, that was Cedric Dumbay. Narrowly edging in my mind, Bo Nickel, because I think Bo Nickel lived up to a lot of the hype and kind of burst onto the scene as well. Uh, but for me, he was head and shoulders above everybody else on rookie campaigns that we will remember. Nine seconds is nine seconds. Anyway, you slice it. Nine
6: seconds. It wasn't just a nine attention. seconds. <laughs> remember remember, the, remember the, uh, the face-off and everything? Just Yeah. Oh, that was... Man, uh, I can't... That was... It's, yeah, as far as, sorry sorry Jose, but like as far as MMA debuts and that, it wasn't his MMA debut, but MMA debut on a I don't even call it on a, a big stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of someone that's milked it more than he has in a good yeah. way. So yeah. yeah, it was yeah theatrical
3: and
5: I, as hell. And yeah, I I put a lot into because like since I've been at live events more a little more than you guys in the last few years. When Dan Hardy was on the MMA Hour and he said I was calling the fight for connor's fight in dublin and i was calling the fight for cedric dumbe's fight in paris and they were comparable in terms of reaction that kind of sealed the deal for me in terms of voting for this for cedric dumbe number two um because one and oh and or two and oh and one of them was in a fight that no one saw but i agree eric made a good point we didn't even get to watch it and yet we're still talking about it <laughs> it's a the great only point. Reason, it's a the great only
6: reason, point. reason I, I i slightly disagree with eric as far as the biggest impact because I guess for me, Eric too, Cedric Jumbe was already a star. He was already a combat sports star. It was just now. I don't,
3: I don't know that that's true though. I think he was a combat sports star, but he was not an MMA star. Not for MMA. Not for MMA.
6: I know know that. I know that he was an MMA star, but he wasn't a combat sport. Uh, You know, that's what I'm saying. He was, he was already a, he was already a star. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, he became an MMA star. So I know we're kind of. do you
5: do you think and i'll i'll present this to the the panel if he didn't have that back and forth with the ufc and was really he was one of the first big guys to say no to the ufc and then go to pfl instead if that didn't happen he just flat out signs with the pfl would he have had a big of an
4: impact i think enough people knew his name that like if he came out and did this yes But if he came out and just had like a ho-hum, unanimous decision performance, I don't think it would have gone over as well. I think the UFC attaching itself to him definitely mattered. But kind of to Casey's point, like there were enough people that knew like, oh man, this Cedric Doombay guy could be good. And there's enough goodwill built up by uh, Alex Pereira and Israel Asanya that like Glory Kickboxing has a name when it comes to like people crossing over to MMA. There were some mixed results before this, but those two in recent years have really put it on the map. But man there were a lot of people who were just like kind of like "eh, we'll see what he does and then that's what he did it was it was the brilliant matchmaking yes yes i'll just say for me to close this out
3: i went i was sort of off the board here compared to everybody else i went ikram alasara i was the only person on the team who went ikram number one and i did so because i'm simply just terrified of the man uh he is ferocious and to me Maybe Bo Nickel counts in this conversation, but to me, Ikram is the best chance of anybody we have on this whole crop to be an immediate contender in the UFC right away. Right away. Like, I think you could throw him in there against anyone at middleweight, and he'll survive, if not do well. Bo Nickel's going to need some time. Cedric's going to need some time. Ikram came in the UFC right away and beat Phil Haas and Worley Alves in less than four minutes combined. Basically, I think you can throw him in there and he's just swim with the sharks right. at 185. And I I cannot wait to see how what kind of factor he's going to be in this 185 pound division because this 185 pound division is all over the place right now and it's a lot of new names coming up and injecting a lot of excitement at the top. And I think Ikram is someone who, from 2024 onward, we're going to be talking
6: about in that type of way. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, Ikram's interesting because I. Th- the difference between him and Bo Nickel is not necessarily – I don't think – because you said like maybe Bo Nickel's not ready for the top guys. I don't believe that necessarily. He just doesn't want to fight the top guys yet. His um, road is going to be a lot longer. His road is going to That's, volum- that's voluntarily. He's choosing that. I don't road. think – no, I think like, – I would disagree. On, I, I okay. think Bo
5: Nickel, from the few times I've interacted with him on media, he's like, I want to fight Hamzat like now. I think it's the UFC that's like, relax, bro. Like, I think both men could fight the top seven, top five right now. But Ikram, he got famous because he Hamzat famously said he's the toughest opponent he ever fought. So when he came into the UFC, he had that aura about him. Bo Nickel came in being the second best wrestler in his weight class. The only one above him is David Taylor, who's arguably the greatest American wrestler ever, and called out Hamzat after one fight, basically. So I don't know if it's as much voluntary as we think. Uh, I think the UFC is going to try to slow the roll of Bow Nickel.
3: Either way, it's a hell of a crop we have for us. The future of this sport looks tremendous. I'm excited for it as we move into 2024. Back to you, Mike.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Great job, guys. All right, just two awards left, everybody. We'll close out with the Fighter of the Year category. But before we get to Fighter of the Year, the next piece of hardware that we're going to be giving away goes to not one but two combatants. That's right. Because there have been some spirited battles in cages, octagons, and rings around the world in 2023. But there can only be one fight of the year. And here are the nominees. Take a look. Alessandra Pantoja versus Brandon Moreno at UFC 290 for the UFC Flyweight title. Arine Aldana versus Carol Hosa at UFC 296. Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fiziev at UFC 286. Shafkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal at UFC 285. Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky-1 at UFC 284 for the UFC Lightweight Championship. All right, everybody. MMA Fighting's 2023 Fight of the Year goes to Islam Makhachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky won at UFC 284 back in February. Perth, Western Australia. One of the most contentious fights of the year, if I do say so. As Makhachev gets the job done, there are a lot of people out there that thought Volkanovsky won that fight and still believe that Volkanovsky, the still current featherweight champion, was still the best pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. Even with the loss. And then obviously Makachev silenced that noise eight months later when he knocked out Volkanovsky at UFC 294. But the first fight was absolutely incredible. And to talk more about that fantastic battle and all the other great battles that happened on our list in 2023, let's throw it to Shaheen Al Shadi and crew.
3: Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Yes, we're down to the two big ones of the year, and we start with fight of the year. And to me, I mean, not even to me, to the whole team, this was a two-horse race the whole year. You, you look at the graphic now, nearly half the panel went from Islam Makhachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky won, the other half for Pantoja versus Moreno. You could see it split right there. Me and Jose both went Islam Volk. Eric, you and Casey both with Pantoja versus Moreno. So let's start with you guys, Eric and Casey. Both of you picked the flyweights. Make the case. Make the
4: case for why we were wrong. This is going to sound maybe like pretentious just go back and watch it like it is absolutely (laughs) insane from from bell to bell it's one of the you're not eyes to watch it like from bell to bell it's one of the most nuts electric fights i've ever seen like you know like each year we kind of break these by years we do these awards but there are certain ones that stand out and i think there's quite a few of them this year the ko that we selected uh israel sani over alex prayer i think that is one of the best ever when we think about Alexa Grasso over Valentina Shevchenko for sub, I think that's one of the best ever. This fight for me is one of the best ever. Um, and I yeah. think uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Islam Makachev is also in that category. So we're kind of blessed to have this many amazing fights this year. But these two fights, and and in particular, I'm speaking about right now, uh, Pantoja and Moreno, are, are is one of the best fights ever. Like there's just not a moment um, there's just not a moment to breathe. They're down each other's throats. There's momentum swings. There's near finishes. It's just it's just electric. I, I don't know. And and then you combine the idea of the stakes, right? This is a, a a title fight. This is a rematch. There was just so much on the line here, and it delivered across the board. And I think you could say that about honestly both of the the top two choices. Uh, but for me, this one narrowly edged it out. I definitely think there was more excitement and like kind of on the line um in Volkanovsky and uh Makachev but fight alone if you're just looking at it in a vacuum and then adding on the stakes after uh, this this was one of the most exciting fights I've ever seen
3: yeah I've, I've written about this a couple different times over the course of the year but I just it delights me to no end the place we've gotten to with Flyweight where Flyweight is just so obscenely fun consistently just like every time out it's delivering, and especially these title fights over the last couple years have just been exceptional every time and it just it's so it tickles me that like we almost lost this division just because dj dared to stand up for himself at night not fight freaking tj dillashaw for some dumb contract that the ufc was offering him it was just all so so dumb we
6: have have such high standards for flyweight championship fights now that we just saw pantoja roy Val. Which is a great fight, and we were like yeah. kind of disappointed in it. You yeah. know, like, it that's, was, like it, it, that's like the that's like the worst heavyweight really,
3: championship fight in several it, years. Which and it was a very a lot, good fight, was, and yet you it, was like still, yeah. it was like a B minus. It was like a B minus fight, and it's like the worst in several years. Yeah, Jose, you and I both went Volk yeah. Islam, which ended up taking the top spot for you. Why? Why, why was that the number one?
5: Because since I've started being the road guy at MMA fighting, I cannot think of a more intense fight in terms of being there than Alexander Volkanovsky versus Islam Makhachev UFC 284. It was. It had everything like the drama of the week. It being in Perth. You remember the Ivy arguments. The weigh-ins being at a different time. It just had all of this drama surrounding it, like Volkanovsky uh, submitting Charles, Alex being called into the fight. So the buildup was unbelievable. It was. It was a, one of those rare like we had it with John Jones in DC, but it was number one versus number two, and. Eric, I'm saying now, when you if you guys do the awards and Alex Volkanovski's entrance at UFC 284 does not win entrance of the year, y'all done goofed because I was there and that was one of the most memorable moments I will have ever witnessed in my MMA media career. The the Alex Volkanovski's walk from the locker room to the cage. There was not a person standing there was not a person sitting and there was not a person not screaming at the top of their lungs i don't even know what i said right there that's how much i love this fight it was from the second that first bell rang to the end of the fight it was what who's gonna make the first mistake everyone was at the edge of their seat it was the opposite of of moreno and pantoja which was just absolute chaos for 25 minutes this was just incredible high level chess high level martial arts at his finest. every each of them seemed to have a foil for the other one's move and it was just an absolute perfect display of martial arts against the two best fighters in the world for the at which i can what i consider at the time the number one pound for pound title i know that's obviously a subjective term and we have a panel for it i am not on but when those two fought the winner was going to be the number one pound for pound fighter in the world so the stakes were there the drama was there the tension was there the skill set was there it was the the only thing missing was the blood and guts that usually wins this award and i'm actually really happy a fight like this won because we've, I don't think, I didn't vote for Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. I didn't think that was the best fight of the year. I thought it was Corey Sang and Peter Young because it was a high level five round martial arts display. That's what this was. It is one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. It's top five fights I've ever seen live. The crowd is pound for pound, one of the best crowds I've ever experienced. Checked all the boxes for me.
3: Yeah. I echo everything you just said wholeheartedly and then one note that you missed. It lived up to the hype. Yeah, yeah. How often can you ever, 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 ever say that about champion versus champion fights in the UFC? You just cannot. There are no good champ versus champ fights in the UFC generally ever. There's been seven all time, and this was by far the best one. And there isn't even a close second because you're right. Everything about this, the lead up to it, the storylines, it was so good of, hey, the winner of this gets number one spot pound for pound how often do you get number one versus number two in the pound for pound rankings and then just what this fight became too right like for 10 months out of 12 in 2023 islam versus volk was one of the prevailing storylines it was the rivalry of the year essentially it was the it was the rivalry that defined most of the year as we continue to talk about it before during and after just everything. It lived up to it. And we never, ever can say these champ versus champ fights live up to it. They are memorable for their own sake, whether it's DC winning the heavyweight title or whoever you want to say, just like these type of moments are, are legendary moments. But the actual in cage themselves, the in cage action is never as good as we saw from these guys in February. And God, I, I I love this fight so much. I've watched this fight probably like four or five times since then. It's so good. And to me, it's a very deserving winner of fighter fight of the year and like you said jose it's nice too to not get a gaichi chandler type occasionally right like it's very rare that we get the the very technical mixed martial art contents contest winning this award but this
4: one deserved it in my eyes do you guys do you guys agree with me though that like these two are historic like both of these in my opinion will stand the test of time like i feel like these are two of the best fights ever yeah, 100%. these were my top two. These were my top two easily. If somebody had anything other than these two, I'd be curious to see it because these were like far aging, and away from
5: me. Paging Stephen Morocco, who didn't have Pantoja Moreno and had uh, uh, uh Makachev at the five spot.
3: Wow! <laughs> Just straight so, calling him out. Also, special be, shout out though to Arina Aldana and Carol. Oh Hossa, yeah, really fight. turned into a gem out of nowhere in the middle <sighs>
6: yeah, at the end of the year. Amazing no one fight, saw that couple. Yeah, I'm gonna be a bit of a contrarian as far as far as Markachev The reason why I had it only at number four, I wasn't the the fight didn't feel like it was the right time. Cause I I, I was one of I'm I'm kinda like jet on this. I was like on board the whole Volkonowski hasn't cleared out the featherweight division. So that's why I wasn't super excited. I was more kinda slightly annoyed that this fight was happening, but I accepted it. And I and I I got that number one versus two, pound for pound. But the other reason why it, it couldn't be that fight of the year for me is like when I watched it live from home from TV, I wasn't in the arena, so I didn't have that experience. It's like I'm, kind of, I was kind of like Islam. I had it four one. So coming into the yeah. fifth round, I had Islam winning the first four rounds. So like all this kind of controversy that came after like who really won the fight, I was just kind of like, eh, I didn't, I just didn't feel it. So while the fight did live up to the hype as far as like super high level competitors, you know, fighting in a main event in Perth, sold out arena and had all, I checked out those boxes. The fight to me just wasn't close enough to be fight of the year, but I have, to, I have no issue with what you do, what you guys are saying about it. If that makes any sense. And,
2: that I, still, raises and a I, still, phil- I
6: still, I still put Volkanovsky, even though he lost the fight, I still had him as number one pound for pound. I was one of those people.
4: <laughs> hey,
6: so That raises
2: a,
4: a question for me. Do, do, do your fights of the year have to be competitive? Because I've, I've done this in the past and I did it again this year. One of my top five was not a competitive fight. One of my fights was because how else do you rate a performance oh, that wasn't a finish? Yeah, yeah. How else do you celebrate Sean Strickland beating yeah. Israel Adesanya? Other than to say it is one of the best fights I've ever seen on behalf of Sean Strickland. It doesn't have to be back and forth. It doesn't have to be blood and guts. Now, don't get me wrong. I did not put it in as number one, as number two, as number... I put it as number three. I did not put it as uh, top two because, as I said, I think those other two are going to live forever as, as competitive fights. But sometimes I feel like the fight category can be used to celebrate like these performances that didn't necessarily end in a KO or didn't necessarily end in a I sub, mean- where we saw something truly special in a fight. I, I mean everybody AMA. has
3: their own everybody has their own scoring yeah. system scoring or- metrics for this sort of thing right yeah. that's what makes it fun in my eyes and that's why yeah. it's so fun to have such a big panel as we do we always have such a big panel yeah. get a diversity of opinions also I do want to shout out before we go here go back to you Mike Alexander Volkanovsky was what made this special in my mind, because the whole entirety of the fight was me marveling at Alexander Volkanovsky being able to do what I think very few of us expected him to do, which was keep this competitive, keep this close. You see a guy like that chasing greatness and reaching for it in the moment. It is incredible to watch. And ultimately, like I said, that their rivalry played a big role in how 2023 played out. For the majority of it, up until October. That was what we talked about pretty much every week was Islam and Volk. And that says something to it. What a year. What a year it's been for fight of the year. We have
2: one more category left, and it's the biggest of all. Back to you, Mike. Just a wonderful job, guys, as always. And now just one more award, the 2023 fighter of the year. And we've had some incredible moments. Unbelievable years from a lot of fighters. There are a lot of fighters in play here, not just from the UFC, but Bellator, PFL, etc. And we had to narrow it all down to just five nominees with only one fighter, just one who could take home this prestigious award. And now the nominees for MMA Fighting's 2023 Fighter of the Year. Francis Ngannou, Sean Strickland, Islam Makhachev. Patchy Mix. Leon Edwards. And the award for MMA Fighting's 2023 Fighter of the Year goes to the UFC middleweight champion, Sean Strickland. I mean, talk about out of nowhere, folks. Sean Strickland enters 2023 coming off of a loss to Jared Cannonier. He takes a fight on short notice against Nasruddin Imovov in January. Up a weight class. Wins it. And then this man was just off to the races. He gets a main event fight in July. He finishes a boost Maga Madoff. And then he gets his first title shot. Opportunity knocked. Man, did this guy answer. He goes out and dominates Israel Adesanya bell to bell at UFC 293 in September to become a world champion. This sport is just wild, isn't it, Shaheen Alshadi? Let's throw it to you and the rest of the crew one more time. How the heck did we get
3: here? Thank you, Mike. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It is the year of Sean Strickland, as you can see. Six first place votes for the UFC middleweight champion to take fighter of the year. One first place vote also for Islam Makhachev coming from our own Jose Youngs. Francis Ngannou, who didn't actually fight in MMA this year, (laughs) gets two first place votes. (laughs) And then Patchy Mix, he's getting one vote from our own EKC Lagden. And of course, Eric Jackman going off the board there with Alex Pereira. So, gentlemen, I want to start this off just by talking about Sean Strickland because you look at the way these awards shook out. It is the second biggest margin of victory for this category, for any category, other than Lexa Grasso just being unanimous with the submission of the year. The margin of victory Sean Strickland had is relatively staggering, right? You look at our point system, you can see it there 90 points for him. 38 points for second place and if you look at number two to number seven 38 to 31 that is the difference unbelievable and to me it makes sense sean strickland whether you like it or not love it or hate it he represented 2023 for better or worse this was a very weird year it was a very ugly year in a lot of different ways there's, there's different elements to this, right? There's the shock factor of seemingly every time a shocking outcome could have happened in 2023, it, it more or less happened. Sean Strickland was the most shocking of those outcomes. Then there's also the other side of this. The, the I don't know what you want to call this, but dumbing down of the game, the uglification of the game, the question of, is this sort of who we're going to be now? And that that question feels more pertinent now than it has in a while, especially coming off of this recent pay-per-view and the lead up to it and how ugly things got there. But then putting all that aside, there's the in-cage work. And Sean Strickland entered 2022, sorry, entered 2023 coming off of back-to-back losses to Alex Pereira, which one of the most brutal knockouts you will ever see. And then Jared Cannonier, which was not a memorable decision. He was a total woodwork, periphery figure, someone who was not in the conversation. His first two fights of the year, Nasser Dean Imabov and Abus Magomedov. There was no way that this was supposed to happen. None of this was ever supposed to happen. He chances his way into this title shot because DDP was not available to take it. And here we are. Sean Strickland somehow heads into the new year with a massive fight already ahead and booked with a lot of people talking about it already. And there's a real chance Sean Strickland becomes like a top three star in MMA if he keeps winning in this new year. It's an unbelievable story. Jose, I go to you first. A, what do you make of this way that our team voted? The Sean Strickland so unanimously being it, and then also B, you were one of the only you were the only person on the team that went Islam. So why did you go that way?
5: Um, I went Islam uh, solely because you know I, I hold his wins over Alex Wilsonowski. I think those the fight of the year and then arguably one of the top five knockouts of the year were just more impressive to me. I don't think Sean is an incorrect pick. I just (laughs) – beating Abu Magomedov and beating Nasruddin Imovov are not as impressive as beating Alexander Volkanovsky twice. Now, is the way he beat Israel Adesanya just essentially 50-45 during 49-46 to him, the greatest striker of this generation, uh, just outstruck the greatest striker of our generation for five rounds? Is that singular performance more impressive than two wins over Alex Volkanovsky? I am more than willing to hear that argument, and I am happy to say you're right. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I, just, I think wh- Islam's year impressed me more because, you know, Alex took that fight on short notice, but also Islam had to t- take that second fight on short notice too and basically change his entire game plan up to fight a completely different fighter from Charles Oliveira. I just thought, I thought, as you said, for the, the, the Islam-Alex Volkanovsky rivalry for 10 months of the year was like the story of the year. And Islam is two and zero against who Casey had the pound for pound fighter of the year. I don't know how the rest of you guys voted. The, essentially, a lot of people had Alex the pound for pound fighter for most of the year, and and Islam was two and zero against him. I just thought that was more impressive than uh, Sean Strickland's win. But I am happy to hear your guys' arguments for Sean Strickland.
3: Eric, I want to go to you because was a yeah. weird year. It was a really yeah, he weird year, and I, I want to. I'll, can... I'll hit your selection in a second. But first, I just want to <laughs> ask you. If this award is instead called Prize Fighter of the Year, Mm. is Francis Ngannou the unanimous number one pick?
4: Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anybody expected him to be competitive with Tyson Fury. It was by far the hardest kind of matchup that any of these fighters had. If we are including boxing, then maybe you make a case for like an Errol Spence. Uh, but Francis Nganu is right up there somewhere. Oh, uh, sorry. For Terrence, Terrence Crawford, Crawford, for his win yeah. <laughs> over Errol Spence. Um, or Francis Ngannou. Um, certainly one of the performances that will stick out in all of our minds. Now, in a losing effort, but I think what's important about this award and, and why I voted the way I did is the context matters. It's not as simple as look at the numbers, say this person won three times and this person won one time. And the context of all this matters. For what it's worth, I had Sean Strickland as, as my number three. And I did a very similar calculus to Jose, which was when I'm totaling up these wins and losses, I'm looking at level of competition. I'm looking at competitiveness. I'm looking at the difficulty of what was achieved. This is this is a a who tried and achieved the most in the calendar year uh, award for me. And that is why I voted the way I did. But I had Sean Strickland third and I had uh, Islam Makachev second, which was uh, Jose's vote. And, and I agreed with him. Ultimately, I think two wins over Alexander Volkanovsky mean more in the scope of it and and are tougher um, achievements in the scope of a year. But for me, nobody had more difficulty ahead of them. Nobody did something that nobody else was able to do more so than Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira (laughs) starts his year getting flatlined by Israel Adesanya and then decides... Let us let us knock out of the year. Your my, fighter of the my year. Pick your for, number for, one
3: fighter of the year. Got my fighter of
4: the year in the got knockout. knocked out in my knockout of the year. Because from that moment, <laughs> what he did was picked himself up and went up a weight class. And I will say, when we're looking at the different weight classes, 20 pound gap, right? Between uh, middleweight and light heavyweight. And did what others have rarely been able to do which is capture a title in the division up with wins over two former champions in those in that division he came up and beat Blahovich, came up and beat Yuri Prohaska and captured light, the light heavyweight belt now you can think of of the loss as something to detract from but for me the achievement that he was able to do in the course of that year was the hardest thing you can do. We just saw... The reason Islam Makachev is on this list is because he was able to defend and beat the smaller man from coming up. This is one of the rarest achievements. This is one of the rarest feats you can do in MMA. And he started his year by getting knocked out and then still achieved it against two former champions in the division. To me, nobody had a tougher sledding than Alex Pereira. Now, I think a lot of people just consider him a light heavyweight that's just not reality. Like That's not how this works. He's he's giving up the same amount of pounds as everybody else. If it was that easy to just go up when you're a bigger quote-unquote fighter, then everybody everybody would be doing it. He was the one who did it and achieved it. And to me, nobody had a tougher task ahead of them than Alex Pereira, and he was able to successfully do it. To me, that is the achievement of the year.
3: Well, you're, you're in awe of Alex Pereira's achievement, and I'm in awe of your achievement because I don't know that I've ever seen someone submit number one fighter of the year as the guy who got slept on knockout of the year it's really quite a feat that you've been able to do here jose please step in you you are, you are begging to talk
5: i mean i want to hear the sean strickland argument but it's just i remember there was this dark time in our life when Kamaro uzman was voted breakthrough fighter of the first half of the year based on just conversation people had like people are talking about Kamaro uzman now is Sean Strickland the breakthrough fighter of the year of 2023? Do we blow it? Like, why is Sean Strickland not? He's, I, why is he not the break two? Oh, going 0 2 to finish off 2022. And now all of a sudden he's a top three, like superstar in the entire promotion. I think after hearing y'all talk, I think we blew it. Sean Strickland might be this breakthrough fighter of the year of 2023.
3: Well, we don't we don't have breakthrough as a category, but if we did, he would win it. He would absolutely win it because it, it was the year of Sean Strickland. It was a massive at all type of year, except it didn't come at the end of his career. It came like basically in the prime, in a way that no one ever saw or thought possible. Like this is crazy, man. You put anything Sean Strickland related out there right now, it's going to do big numbers. You you are the guys of the social team. <laughs> you guys know this. Like it's it's nuts. It's absolute nuts. Casey, I want to get you in here though because you. Also went off the board. He went Patchy Mix. And Patchy Mix, it may have been the year of Sean Strickland, but it was also the year of Patchy Mix because this man got a lot of different love on a lot of different categories. I had him in my knockout category. I had him for, in my fighter category as well. Why was he your number one?
6: Patchy Mix went technically 2-0 and this year, but really I'm going to go 3-0 and because he had a fight in December of 2022 where he uh, finished Margamed Megamadoff. Then he... Yeah. So I'm gonna go in and count that because it was just you know right there, <laughs> but uh, I don't like these hardline dates. And then, but but really, it was just it's about dominance for me. It's just three fights in a 13 month span. Just at, at, I think all part. Uh, I think two of the, were, was this Pettis fight part of the tournament, or is it was that the Stotts fight? No, the Pettis fight was just a just a championship. That was game. The stats yeah, the the was the final. Okay, yeah. So yeah. whatever. So all super high level Bantamweight fights. Bantamweight for me is the best division worldwide in mixed martial arts. And the fact that just patchy did it just it was just just so much dominance. I mean, I'm not even sure he even got hit hard or was in in, in re- any serious bad position in any of those fights against Pettis, Stots, or Margamadoff. Um the stots knockout. I think I had a, I think I had that as my number two knockout of the year of just an incredible step in knee from the submission specialist and then just and then just just destroying Sergio Pettis, um, yeah, uh, just an unbelievable. Like, I have him ranked. I think a few of us have him ranked as the best bantamweight in the world above the UFC champion, and that's a that's a pretty great. Um, uh, very rare. Rate, very rare. Very rare. Very rare that where we. But there's a good argument that there's the best person in division is outside the UFC. And there's a good argument for that too. Um, so yeah, that's why Patchy Mix is my guy this year. And it's solely with the, him being above Strickland, I think Strickland in my, my second number two fighter of the year, it's just based on the dominance and the level of competition to get there. Of course, Strickland did be Izzy, but I'm going to be a bit of a hater of Sean Strickland right now. And just say that I think, that was that was the biggest upset. I think that was the best Strickland we ever got and that was the worst Izzy that we've ever seen in the cage. And credit to Sean Strickland, he did it that night and that's what matters. But overall, Patchy Mix is my guy for 2023's biter of the year.
3: I would have to push back in that I think there's certain elements of what Strickland brought to the cage that that caused Izzy to look so bad, whether it's the pace pressure, just generally the way he did I mean, he, did it. I mean he defensively, he, he things Abbott. like that. I mean, but and also I will say the coaching from Eric Nixick, who mm-hmm. in my mind is the coach of the year, should also go into that because there were several, even Izzy called it out, there were several moments where Eric That's sort fact. of swung the tide. The
6: it, for me, the fact that Izzy's going, like, you know what, I'm taking a big break. Not like I gotta get back in there, and get that back. To me, that says to me that Izzy was not in the right frame of mind to be fighting at this high level so much. And Izzy's, I don't want to make this Izzy about Izzy, but Izzy's like his, the amount of title fights he had back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back was pretty incredible for UFC standards. So um, but well, Sean Strickland I- Str- showed up, he showed up and he did it and all credit to him, all credit to him. Just, um, but that's why he's only my number two. No, I mean, he's still my top five. I mean, he's just still there. He's just my number two, that's all.
3: I think ultimately, it says something about Israel Adesanya that now this is back-to-back years where the fighter of the year is the guy who beat Israel Adesanya in a big, very big stage. We had Alex Pereira last year, and now it's it's Sean Strickland.
4: I'm going to count the, the Alex uh, win over Izzy for this year. Casey went back you know, to an end-of-year fight. He's attaching it on. I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> You're and doing now that? the calendar right. year for Alex Pereira includes the win over Izzy capped off by the light heavyweight title. So now he has wins in both... <laughs> Uh, championship fights uh, because I'm going back and stealing that one too. There
3: you go. There you go. Ultimately, to me, what fighter of the year means is who am I going to think of most when I think of that year? And when I think of 2023, I will think of Sean Strickland for better or worse. This was the year of Sean Strickland and what a year it was. And again, if you look at our, our list, if you look at our year end list, the difference between two and seven is so small. It shows, it just shows you how many incredible different campaigns and performances we saw throughout the year. That is our final award of the year. It goes to Sean Strickland. Back to you, Mike.
2: There you have it, folks, Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland, MMA Fighting's 2023 Fighter of the Year Award winner. Man, I'm curious who you all think will win Fighter of the Year in 2024. Because nobody thought it would be Sean Strickland heading into 2023, but the twists and turns of the sport You just don't find it anywhere else. And I'm curious what you think. So make your predictions in the comments section here on YouTube. We'll have some fun with this. Just like we had so much fun with all of you all year long. This year went by so darn fast. I can't believe we're about to kick off 2024, which could be a super interesting year, both in and out of the cage. But that's going to do it here for us. This has been the MMA Fighting 2023 year-end award show. Thank you to everyone watching and listening. And the year-end content is going to continue to burst out, everybody. A lot of predictions will be coming up for 2024 as well. And, of course, the most comprehensive award show in all of sports, all of MMA, the MMA Hour Awards will be coming your way. We'll be back in your life live on January 3rd. So stick with us for all of that incredible content and so much more. I am Mike Keck, and for all of us here at MMAFighting.com, thank you so much for allowing us to be part of your 2023 with our coverage. And the content is just going to keep on coming, everybody, in 2024. That I can promise you. Enjoy the rest of the holidays, everybody. Have a happy new year, and we will see you all in 2024. You're listening to the Vox
3: Media Podcast Network.